Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Locals to Legends Wrestling Radio, brought to you by Rockstar Records, 810 East Main Street, Tupelo, Mississippi, 662-269-3745. Welcome to Locals to Legends Podcast with your host, the voice of $10 Wrestling, noted author that has never been published, and the heaviest CWA light heavyweight champion in history, the king of all wrestling media, Gene Jackson, and his co-host, the star of Taylor TV, the man who has wrestled Jerry Lawler 1,239 times and never won, Neil, the real deal Taylor. Welcome once again to Locals to Legends Wrestling Radio. I'm your host, the king of all wrestling media, Gene Jackson. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, my tag team partner, my good friend, Neil, the real deal Taylor. Neil, how we doing this Sunday evening? We're struggling tonight, Gene. <laughs> and you probably know this better than I am. <laughs> you probably know God this better dang, than me man. with all the... All the traveling you've been on, you've been <laughs> doing this weekend. My God! I, just to just to recap, tell everybody, <laughs> tell everybody how you've been on the road since what Friday? Yeah, bear in mind, I don't get a lot of time <laughs> off, so when I do, I try to make it count. So Friday morning, uh, me and Rosie got in the car at eight o'clock. Drove from Coleman, Alabama, where we reside, all the way to Bill Street in Memphis, to where it was coming a freaking flood, uh, a gorilla (laughs) monsoon, if you will. Uh, Had to stop and buy an umbrella, just so we could go to Jerry Lawler's Bar and Grill, which was cool. We got to see a lot of cool shit in there and take pictures, and uh, we talked to Randy Hales, who introduced us to Lance Russell's son, who was hanging out there, so that was cool. Uh, then we went to the Hard Rock Cafe, then immediately jumped in the car, booked it down to Tupelo, uh, met up with my old friend Mike Hare, hung out with him and some of his buddies uh, at Mug Shots, and then shot across the street to the Bank Corp South Center where we went to see Ron White, which was a tremendous show, uh, where we then ran into – well, I, I left off. Uh, we did make a stop by Rockstar Records to see Mr. Sensational before we went to go meet up for dinner. Uh, and then we met up once again with uh, Neil the Real Deal Taylor, Jax Rocks, and Mr. Sensational. And I got to hang out with them for a few minutes, take a picture, which I don't think the four of us has ever been in a picture anywhere ever. So that was cool. And then we got our picture with the opening act, Alex Raimundo, uh, opening act and brother-in-law <laughs> of Ron White, which I thought was interesting. Uh, so that was yeah. cool. Then we hop in the car after that, drive all the way back to Colvin, Alabama, uh, go to bed, get up uh, Saturday morning, get in the car, and drive to Nashville, Tennessee, uh, where we went to go see Doug Benson at Zaney's Comedy Club. 
uh, saw Doug Benson. He was hilarious. It was an awesome show. And then we went and ate dinner at Old Chicago and went to Target places and come all the way back. Drove through another flood slash gorilla monsoon and got home last night about 11 o'clock and did the sum of jack shit today and feel like I've been run over. <laughs> and oddly, I feel far I feel far worse uh, after this weekend's festivities than I did after having wrestled last Friday night. So, go figure. <laughs> Man, that's, that's a lot of miles when we get out. Maybe, uh, you know, our... We were talking to Stormy Lee last weekend about uh, about keeping the roads hot. Maybe uh, <laughs> maybe maybe a little of that rubbed off on you. <laughs> yeah, I don't do it often, but by God, when I do, I make it count, right? So we got our guest is already on the line, so we're going to go ahead and get right to him. Uh, I've got a new sponsor, and please remind me at the end of the show to talk about our new sponsor because I've, I've been forgetting it for a month to the point I haven't even mentioned it to you. So you'll, you can hear it along with everybody else, but just try to remind me of that. So anyway, okay. without further ado on the line right now, we have this week's special guest, the one, the only bad attitude, Tony Dabbs. Tony, how are you doing, sir? Oh man. Wore out. I, I'm wore out. I hear you. So we got, <laughs> we got, you got three guys. That all it's all they can do to be on the phone right now. So uh, forgive all three of us if this is somewhat lackluster, but I figure we'll get into it here in a minute, get a little bit wound up. But uh, it's good to have you on here. I've only been trying to get you on my damn podcast for what five, six years now. <laughs> so <laughs> talk about building anticipation. As, yeah, when you have as many kids as I got, though, it's hard to do anything. Well, uh, evidently you figured, ev- evidently you figured out how to do one thing. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. <laughs> no, it, the name Dab has become so synonymous now. with <laughs> with two things: wrestling and having lots of kids in the state of Mississippi. If uh, <laughs> somebody says they're pulling the dabs, then you know they're they're cranking out the cheering. That's right. <laughs> But as I've always said, it, it pays to book Tony Dabbs because you know if Tony's on the show, you're going to draw because, I mean, you're going to have a crowd one way or another because if nothing else, you got all his kids and everybody there, so it's not going to be, you know, nobody show up. Not only that, I hate damn gimmick tables. Oh, my God. Gimmick tables are not worth it for me at shows. Yeah, I, yeah, I want to I personally thank you right now because there have been shows – that uh, Tony Dabbs personally paid for my gas money to drive home and, and buy my dinner, whether he knew it or not, because his kids are running around wearing them goddamn wrestling masks that my wife would sell. <laughs> so oh if I hadn't thank you for that, thank you. <laughs> yeah, gee, thanks. You're welcome, I guess. Well, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if, they're, if they're glowing or blinking and they got a wrestling mask on, I appreciate it too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I've threatened, I've threatened all of them to just stay away. If they see Jimmy Blaylock sitting over there, or Tia sitting over there selling something, or Neil set up somewhere, or if we go to <laughs> any other show, I'm like, don't go to the tables. You're not getting shit before we get there. Don't ask. No, it's not happening. <laughs> yeah, well, it's changed since I was there. I showed up at this last show, and Rasslin' News Center's got the Tupelo flea market at one goddamn table over there. So I was like, well, ain't no need me bringing anything. Shit, uh-huh. they got it covered. 
Oh, my gosh. That's, everybody's like, why don't you sell gimmicks? I'm like, hell, I can't afford to sell gimmicks. I'm buying everybody else's. <laughs> they would just take all the shit off the table and take it home anyway. <laughs> right. You bring it there and they come kids. ask for all of it. And Yeah, my kids, man, I had some T-shirts ordered and supposed to have them in sometime. Hell, who knows? But they're like, uh, can we have one? I was like, no. <laughs> Where are your kids? Let us have a shirt. I was like, you buy one like everybody else. I'm having to pay for them. Hell, we just done Hunter's birthday party today, and he got 460 bucks off of damn birthday money. Damn. Yeah, that's what I need I'm to saying. be a bad kid. Will you adopt me? <laughs> sure, why not? I've said y'all y'all are Mississippi's version of the Hart Dynasty now. That That's going to be... There, you know, ten years from now, fifteen years from now, you're going to go to a show, and half the card is going to be Dab's children on the card, and Tony's <laughs> going to be booking it and uh, taking home all the money because he ain't going to pay none of them. I'm like, this is where I get my money back, motherfuckers. This is it right here. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> Daddy's yeah. getting paid now. Man, so let's, let's talk about some. You go ahead. In all honesty, though, I think in the next ten years, I don't see wrestling even being around anymore. I mean, I mean, it, we're we're a dying breed, man. I don't know. It's uh, I don't know. Every time you think it's it's on its last leg, it it makes a comeback, uh, different than it was before. But man, over there in y'all's area, man, I, I'm. And I don't mean this is a knock. People get pissed off when I say this, and they think I'm being a dickhead. But you know, I moved away from Mississippi, and I come over here to Alabama. And I travel around Alabama, Georgia, go up to North and South Carolina, and all these different places. And years and years ago, indie wrestling over here evolved into not exactly Ring of Honor, but more of that independent style that you see when you watch DVDs and and things like that. And I stayed gone for the better part of 10 years. And when I came back, Mississippi wrestling really hadn't changed that much. And to this day, it's still, uh, I mean, people call it, people and, and generically call it Tennessee wrestling. But, you know, over there, and I'm not saying there aren't guys doing some different things, but I just mean, by and large, like when I come over here and I do the commentary for the New South show, and then I go over there and do a show, it's like two different worlds. It's like completely different. It's like wrestling never evolved over there. Like time just freaking stood still. And what do you guys attribute that to? Man, it's just nobody cares anymore. I mean, in all honesty, I I have limited myself now. I mean, where when I first started, we were, I mean, and y'all know too, we were traveling five, six days a week. Now I do one show a month, maybe one show every two months. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's done got to the point where I don't even, I don't even enjoy going to the shows anymore, man. It's just, it's, it's more like a, a job that you hate going to and, and knowing you're not going to make a shitload of money anyway, but then you got to put up with everybody's bullshit. And I'm just like, I could care less, man. I mean, nobody, like nobody puts forth an effort anymore that and i'm old as shit and broke down so i'm pretty much done anyway well what keep what keeps you doing it because that's the part that that's the part that people ask me all the time because you know no there's not a lot of money in it and a lot of the guys don't seem to be having fun 
is it just because that's what you've always done and there's just a part of you that feels like you need to or want to or like what what keeps you going up to this point well you've always i mean it's it's kind of like watching football or baseball or basketball whatever you've always got that hope that your team's going to go to the national championship or win the super bowl or whatever the world series you always get that hope that hey maybe maybe it's going to change man i mean i that's the way I've been, and that and yeah. What else am I gonna do with five kids, man? Hell, I get, can't take them to the movies. It cost me an arm and a leg. <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> so, you, I mean, so at this point, you are you are one of the most tenured guys in the area over there. I mean, me and Neil kind of know the story, but for the people listening to the the podcast who may not be as familiar, I mean, they know who you are, but they don't know how you started and where and all that. Uh, give everybody a little bit of background of of how you broke into wrestling and what led what led to you getting into wrestling. <laughs> well, <clears throat> kind of grew up in it. My stepdad wrestled for twenty five years, something like that. He wrestled in the seventies and eighties and some 90s well then as i grew up in it man i mean it was something that i always wanted to do but i was always a little skinny kid <clears throat> always told i couldn't do it couldn't do it couldn't do it so of course wayne and sammy hall were best friends and they run a promotion together and then sammy kind of took me under his wing and more or less called me his son because i was the son that he never had because he only had one kid and that was samantha so we had traveled to the shows together. I traveled with just Sammy, and then we ended up getting into the MMA and or tough man type stuff over in Alabama. And I was selling popcorn, putting a ring up, taking it down, whatever. And finally, Sammy, me and Sammy talked one night, and he was like, why don't you train to wrestle? So I was like, all right, fine. Well, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'm young anyway, so I'll give it a shot. So, of course, we trained and trained and beat the hell out of us and trained and then beat the hell out of us more. And finally, I ended up having my first match, and I was hooked then. But, man, I mean, it was just, it was hell. I mean, it was it was literally hell. Guys nowadays that train to wrestle, they have no clue what it was like. I mean, I was training in 90, 93, 94, 95. You know, I mean, I was 13 probably around 13 years old when I actually first started training. Of course, nobody right. knew my real age because at the time, Mississippi was a licensed state, and I'm, I think it still is. I have no idea. But, uh, <laughs> you know, everybody tried to – Sammy tried to keep it at low-key because I was underage. But, hell, he was a commissioner, so what else was going to be said? So he'd write my right. license out. At, I was 18, you know, so uh, – you know, it was, man, you know, you and Neil both know. Y'all came from the same place I did. I mean, y'all know, man, Sammy was bad. Oh, my God, was he bad. I, do you, do you remember bad. who your first match was or where it was by any chance? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Because <laughs> I was scared shitless. Hey, it was Chris Kilgore <laughs> and Carl for Rodney Grimes. Yep. And I didn't have nothing to wear, man, no gear, nothing, man. I think I ended up wrestling in Bobby Ewan's boots, a pair of Sammy's tights. I think somebody else loaned me a pair of knee pads. I went out there, man, and was scared to death. And, of course, it was your 
normal independent first match, hip toss, arm drag, body slam, powder, clothesline, pin. I mean, that was it. Pretty much the whole match. But I ended up, I think I ended yeah. up wrestling like three times my first night. Because, hell, Rodney didn't pay nobody. So my first night, my first match, or my first night, I had three first matches, I guess you could say. And I, it, it was, you know, and then it just kind of evolved from there, man. Five, six, seven. Wrestled eight, Chris, tag with Chris, and then wrestled Chris again, if I had to guess. Yeah, something, something like that. Something like that. <laughs> Man, I mean, it was, you know, it was bad. But, hell, I don't know, man. The the, the traveling's what I miss. You know, I mean, when we were young, that, that was the fun stuff. Now, like I said, man, yeah. now it's just don't even want to go. Don't even want to go. Yeah, because, I mean, we would do Friday nights in Corinth, or and sometimes we'd go down to South Mississippi, and then usually Sammy would have a show on Saturday. And then a lot of times on Sundays, the three of us would go up to Gibson, Tennessee, or some other random place. So we at least wrestled, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then, like you say, other times we were throwing a Thursday or some random Wednesday night show over in, you know, uh, Tishomingo or somewhere like that. And the thing that stands out to me about the training, I want to bring this up so you can attest to this, and I know Neil can too, Um you know, nowadays guys come in and, and they start with high spots and they may work their way back from there. They may never, may never learn anything but that before they have their first match. But, like, you know, Sammy wasn't smartening people up. Like, he would teach you how to bump. Um, but he didn't really, like, for the first several weeks, like, he didn't smarten you up to, like, psychology or lingo, any of that shit. Like, I remember you had one of Ricky's Ricky Frank's flame Ricky Flame whatever you want to call him. You had one of his first matches, and me and Sammy was standing up top in South Hill. Neil may have been up there with us. I don't remember, but I, was, I know I was standing next to Sammy, and I remember being in the dressing room when the when you called the finish, and it was you know it was going to shoot him in the corner, and it was some kind of roll up out of the corner. So, you, so the match goes on, and, and there was all kinds of difficulties in the match. You could read your face, but you back Ricky in the corner. And I see you lean in the call, you know, take it home. You shoot him in the corner, and you charge in, and he, he doesn't do anything. So you just kind of run into him in the clothesline. I see you lean in. Man, you must have shot him from corner to corner at least like five times. And Sam's like, what the hell are they doing? I'm like, Ricky doesn't know what take it home means. Because <laughs> you kept shooting across, take it home. And you shoot him across, take it home. And finally, I think you had to, like, just yell at him, like, it's the end or <laughs> whatever it was you said. <laughs> and then it, we realized that, he, you know, he never smartened anybody up. And, you know, and in the initial stages of training, um, you know, you would bump, get up, get up, get up, bump, get up, get up, get up, bump, get up, get up. And so guys like Ricky and, and Dago, for the people listening to this who knows who that is, um, they were getting thrown in their first matches and never got told any different than this, hey, get up, get up, get up, get up. So you're trying to work these guys, and they wouldn't sell it. They'd beat you to your feet. Because, hell, they thought the point of this shit was to get up as quickly as you can. <laughs> and so, like, in that match, I remember you snapped suplex Ricky, and uh, he was standing there waiting on you when you got back up. You know, <laughs> you slammed him, and he just, he just popped up like he had a spring in his ass, you know. <laughs> and Dago was the same fucking way. <laughs> yeah, Sammy thought that shit was funny as hell, too, until he ended up having to work those guys. <laughs> Man. Mm-hmm. I won't never do this is no shit. We were 
it was during our traveling day, you know, and Dago would travel along with us. So one night we ended up going to uh, West Memphis, Arkansas, to do a Michael Cook show up there. And uh, I remember this. We're going. Let's see. It was me. Uh, shit, I don't remember who all was in the van with us, man. But you know, Sammy it was me, you, Dago, Josh, Chris. Joel, yeah. I think, was even with us. Like it was, it was an eight-man tag. I mean, it was a whole slew of us. Right, and man, we, we, everybody was messing with Dago, talking about how he couldn't read and everything like that. Man, <laughs> the damn sheriff's car rolled up beside of us. And Dago said, "I can read that." And then we go through, <laughs> we go through Water Valley. Water Valley. Dago said, "Dago said, man, this is where I'm from." Sam said, "Where's this at?" They go say Walla Valley, Walla Valley. What is Walla Valley? Then we get to the show and damn Dream Machine, Dream Machine. Troy Graham walks up to freaking Dago and shakes his hand. He Dago's like, "How are you?" And Troy said, "You got cold hands. You been in the pen?" Dago said, "Not around here." I was like, "Oh my god!" (laughs) That's the same Uh, night that uh, Troy put damn. Donnie Bass's knee pads on that had his picture painted on them with puff paint. He's like, don't tell Donnie I've been in his bag. And then Doug went out and done a hardcore match with Michael Cook, and he come back in. Dream was like, let me have that shirt. And he's like, no, man, we'll get you another one. No, I want that one. Fuck, Doug pulls it off. Troy puts it on goes right back out and does a damn Moxville. And I was like, man. Doug Gilbert's blood all over this shirt. Right, yeah. And I'm like, man, I was scared to death. It's like, fuck, do I, is this this really what I want to go into? Oh, my God. Is, is that the same night? That I miss. <laughs> is that the same night that uh, he tried to get a drink of Ricky's Diet Coke or whatever, and Ricky t- kept telling him to go away? <laughs> no, yeah. that was down in yeah. Columbus. That was in Columbus oh, yeah, for yeah, Rodney. Yeah, yeah Ricky that's wasn't really on that trip. That's the night Yeah, I don't think Ricky was allowed to go out on a big night. Bag. Do what? That's the night they took fucking Troy's pills and put them in Soul Taker's bag or something. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Talk about scared. <laughs> oh, shit. That ain't the night that uh, Doug's Chris fault, is it? Uh, I don't... I don't know. All them Columbus matches run together for me. I don't know. Um, it's possible. Oh, that's the first time Ronnie Grimes ever put me in a headlock, and I said that'll be the last fucking time too. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I remember uh, one of Soul Taker's first matches. We were up in Selmer, and it was me, Taker, and Hoss against Rodney, and, and Donnie was babyface at the time for some damn reason. Rodney, Donnie, and somebody. I don't remember who the other one was. But uh, Donnie comes over to Taker, and he's like, hey, we're going to we're gonna shine you up, make you look strong in this match. He said, uh, I want you to get I want you to get Rodney in a bear hug, and you just work that bear hug. I mean, you work it, and you work it, and, you, and don't you let him out of it until I tell you. Oh, yes, sir, yes, sir. And, of course, Soul Taker was like, oh, he's going gonna, he's gonna to be the man to get the heat in this match. So he shoots him off, and Rodney jumps, and he hooks him that bear hook. And he's like, he's got the, he's got two masks on. He's got the fucking, he's got the mask that goes under it and the hockey mask. And he's got his head turned as far to the right as he can. And of course, me and Hoss over in the corner is laughing, going, "Cinch it in, Taker, cinch it in." 
And he's like, break this shit up, break this shit up. And Donnie's like, ah, oh, you got him, you got him. <laughs> and he made him hold oh that bear God. hug for like six minutes, and he's about to puke by the time he come and tagged him. That was once I had graduated from wrestling Danny Morris every show for, for Rodney. Well, is, is oh, that the show? Speaking of wrestling, somebody it, ever show. Before we move past <laughs> a name, we just mentioned a minute ago, Ricky Frank slash Ricky Flame. Uh, you know, I drew the short straw, short straw and wrestled that dude like every weekend for like six months. And I'll say this for the guy. He was a bit of a nerd, and I know he's like an IRS agent now or whatever it is he is. But I can tell you, and there's tape, there, or there was tape to prove it. I know Neil's seen it, and hell, Tony, you probably saw it at some point, too, being over my I apartment. I have all those tapes. I, I beat that. I hit Ricky Franks harder in wrestling matches than I ever hit anybody in a real fight in my life. I mean, I tried to beat that son of a bitch till he would beg them not to let me wrestle him anymore. And by God, he took it. He took, he took everything I could dish out, and Jolene, too, and she was beating him with a damn stick every night. So kudos to that son of a bitch for being a – a tougher guy than you ever would have thought he was, that's for sure. I have all those tapes. I have every tape that we ever done. Like, man, from, like, the minute I started up until, uh, fuck, I don't know, until Joel's little stint went off the air down in Columbus. I have all those tapes. I have all the tapes from Wayne and Sammy and, uh, you know, those guys back in those guys. Nineties, man. I mean, Kenny the Dream Rhodes. Oh my God! Don't get me started on him. <laughs> A legend. <laughs> Quick story. Wrestled for him. He always paid us real well. Of course, we done a day show and then a night show. We done a day show up around Memphis, fucking ice cream battle royal, some shit, and we end up in Germantown, I think it was, and. Brand new Walmart. I go in, I take a shower in the sink in the brand new Walmart. I'm walking through in my (laughs) Mike Jackson style. Right. (laughs) All these fucking people are in there looking at us like, what the fuck happened to them? So we leave there. Then we go to Bruce that night and do a show. Well, then Kenny tells us, guys, and he shows us this check. It's like for 7,500 bucks. Sponsorship check. He's like, uh, I couldn't get this check cash today. Uh, meet up with me next week, and I'll I'll have your money. Okay, mm. so we do it. We do it. He writes us a check. I get the check, and this motherfucker says Kenny Baggett. I was like, There's no bank gonna cash a check with Kenny Baggett written on it because that ain't that motherfucker's <laughs> real name. So I ended up having to get it to my mama. She ended up having to deposit into her checking account to get the damn check cash. Man. Oh my God! The shit nice. we dealt with. <laughs> I remember me and Tony, Neil. We were, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, we were. Tony, we were both on that show. Remember, because we were all everybody was standing in a sink, and we were trying to get because it had the little motion detector gimmick on it. And you get right. your head, by the time you get your head under there, the damn water would quit <laughs> would quit blowing. And me and J.D. McKay went to Logan's and ate supper after that. And we're sitting there, we smell like mildewed milk. And our damn armpits are stuck to our sides from all that damn ice cream. I will never forget that. Well, I'll tell you what I remember. That one they had, and I guess it was Pontotoc. Me and you wrestled, uh, you know, Kenny and Jimmy Valiant for the second, like the second time we worked them. 
and uh, all the you know all the wrestlers are going to the ring, and me and you walk out there, and they start dumping an ice cream in the ring. I look at you, and I was like, "Fuck this!" And I made a laugh around the ring, went right <laughs> back up the aisle, and right back in the back. Never set foot yeah, in that, that damn a, ring, and that's the only show I did. Yeah. With the other was always like the blindfold shit or whatever. But yeah, I turn around, walk right Batesville. the hell back out of there. Batesville, there you go. Yeah, that that's was in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And we and we uh, missed those days. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't I wasn't fucking up my Fubu jersey for that. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that thing. <laughs> oh yeah, that was that was during my wigger stint there. Do you still have that thing? It, I do. It's in a closet here at the house. I sure do. Every move we've made, I've made sure it came with me because Rosie swears up and down she wants to see me be big pimping Jean Jackson at least one time and put that shit on and come out to that damn song. So someday somewhere, <laughs> if either one of y'all book a damn show and you got a throwaway match you don't give a shit about, you can you can book me to do that gimmick just for her amusement and. That'll be the last time it gets done. We could we could have done that last weekend. <laughs> Damn it. Hell yeah, I guess so. That'd have been fun. Oh me. As long as it's not against David Cox, but anyway. Oh my god, don't get me started on him either. <laughs> Fuck that. Be a bad no, hey. no, no. Hey, you know he what? Had a, I, he had a big he had a big match this weekend, yeah. He had a big match against uh Chop the clown in Boonville last night. I saw uh, saw your post, Gene. <laughs> I thought that'd be fun for some irony as people are reading that description and then hit them with the and chop. But uh, <laughs> well, let me ask you that, Tony. So, because here's the uh, this is you are the perfect person to ask this because me and Neil were actually talking about this on a recent episode, and I won't ask you to to bury anybody by saying their name unless you just want to, and and obviously they'll know one of the people we're talking about because we just said his name. Uh, but all all the way back to when you were a kid, watching you know watching the shows and helping set up the ring and, and do all the things you did, <clears throat> you were watching some of these guys. They were wrestling all the way back then. At that point, they'd probably already been wrestling ten years then, and they're still wrestling now. And they still are just as awful as they was the first day they set stepped foot in the ring. Do you know that to be true? Can you can you testify to that that me and Neil aren't just being assholes by saying that? And what is your take on that? How do you wrestle for this many years and never improve? I don't get it. David Cox is the Ricky Flame of the eighties. <laughs> Legit, like he, he's. I mean, dude. Oh man, Joel Gillentie can can testify for this because he he actually booked David to work Rodney Mack at the All-Pro Championship Wrestling that Joel oh, runs Jesus. in Oklahoma. Well, Joel, of course, wasn't going to put David over. They, uh, Rodney was the champ. Rodney was the champ or whatever after I left. And uh, I, I don't know. So something happened during the match and David was like, started making a comeback on him. More or less, what they wanted him to do was go out and job to him. Well, David, David yeah. said he wasn't jobbing out to no fucking body. He didn't care who it was. He didn't give a damn who it was. He wasn't jobbing out to nobody. So he started whooping <laughs> up on Rodney. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
But no, I mean, in all honesty, man, guys and guys back then are guys like guys now. They some cared and some didn't. Uh, David, David still cares, but David still doesn't know it's a work. I mean, he still thinks it's fucking going there and knock your goddamn ass out and in him. <laughs> but and I mean, Sammy was the same way. To an extent, I don't think really Sammy was ever smartened up. Sammy was trained by Don and Al Green, but I'm not, you know, 100% positive that he ever really was smartened up, you know, as far as 100%, you know, knowing everything. I mean, granted, Sammy knew how the business worked, but I mean, yeah. I look back at a lot of the matches that's on YouTube now from Sammy and and Wayne, even, you know, back in the in the Georgia days, man, and Wayne, Wayne was a skinny little fucker that had long hair and he was ugly as shit, but he could work. Sammy was two hundred fucking forty pounds and would go in there and get the shit beat out of him. I mean, I didn't understand it. Yeah, I guarantee I mean, you, he. I, I bet you he didn't think it was a he didn't think it was a work that match with Doctor Death Steve Williams. That's all. Yes, I came across that just recently by accident. I was just watching a show, and then all of a sudden, it's like I hear Gordon Sully, ah, Kevin Sullivan and Sammy Hall. My my ear, I was typing something on my computer. I go, what? Slid the computer out of the way, and (laughs) oh my god, yeah, Kevin Sullivan just beat the brakes off of him. Um, But yeah, it's fun to discover. I keep finding matches of him and Wayne. Man, I mean, you know, like I said, in all honesty, it's just, just, you know, I mean, guys, I guess guys back then really didn't too much smarten them up. I mean, they had what we called job boys or jobbers back then. They called them meat boys. You know, they they were meat boys. They'd feed them the meat. You know, they were out there. Yeah. That's, you know, that's what the, the terminology now compared to what it was back when I was growing up in it. Has completely changed. I mean, uh, you know, it's just you call a leapfrog right. now, and guys are you know wanting to do a step over tackle. You know, I mean, it's just you know, I don't know. It's just nobody nobody really cares anymore. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's got to the point to where it could you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. You there's no need in trying to put any forth any effort anymore to try and help the help the younger guys out, man, because they know more about it than you do now because YouTube or DVDs or, well, I watched ROH. Well, guess what? You'll never make it there with that fucking attitude. <laughs> and my brothers are well, prime examples of it. You know, back back in their day, man, the younger days, they, they could care less, man. They didn't give a shit. They was, oh, we're going to watch a DVD and we're going to go out here and we're going to do... 19 spots, and we're going to pin each other with a fucking thumb to die. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, that was a wild thing, like, around the time I was getting started. You know, your brothers would go out in the ring and do 100 more spots before the show ever started in front of the crowd than what they were going to see the rest of the show. Because, I mean, I would be like, well, goddamn, we're dead in the water now because they just put on, if you're as far as, like, what they saw, what the fans were seeing on, like, Monday nights and Nitro and Raw and all that. It's like, they just seen 
way more exciting shit out of these two kids than any of us are going to give them when we go out there and walk and talk and thumb each other in the eye and pull each other's tights and hair and all the shit we're going to fucking do, you know. And they did it almost <laughs> on a consistent basis every week, you know. Right. And I'm, and I'm glad, you know, that they grew out of it because if they hadn't have grew, grown out of it, man, I don't think they would have, which I don't think they would ever – been able to work many places just because the attitude, man. I mean, but I may be wrong. I don't know. I'm well. I mean, that's how that tends to go. I mean, guys either grow out of it and realize, oh, this shit everybody's been telling me for years makes sense now, and they they either grow out of it and learn to work, or they just get beat out of the business and and you know quit working because people they somebody does get a hold of them and just beats the shit out of them, but. Because, I mean, when we interviewed Jason the Brain, you know, those guys that he came in with, you know, all those guys have kind of learned to work now and settle down and aren't doing all the stupid shit they were. Well, and hell, half the time they were doing them against your brothers. You know, they'd open the XOW show with a ladder, you know, TLC ladder match and uh, in a cage, and they would you know, done <laughs> five million high spots, and then, you know, Neil and... Barry or whatever, you got to go out there and try to have a wrestling match after that, you know. Yeah. That's, everybody, I mean, even my kids, man, they're like, why didn't you ever do any high spots? I was like, because I, I learned how to work. I learned how to run my mouth. I ain't got to go out there and kill myself. Shit. I mean, everybody's yeah. always asking, who trained you? Who trained you? Who trained you? Well, initially, I guess Sammy trained me, you know, because he's the one that really gave me the foot in the door, but at the same time, I mean, that wasn't really the only training that I've had, you know, I mean, hell, we were working out with Doug Gilbert and guys like that before the shows, you know, I mean, it it was kind of a hand in from everybody, you know, I mean, back then, guys didn't care to get in there and show the younger guys as long as they were willing to listen, but now, you can't get those guys to do it because they've been shit on so many times by the younger generation, they don't give a shit about it, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, I learned the basics from Sammy, and I'll always say, well, you know, Sammy Hall trained me, but when I really started learning, like, psychology and learning how to work is when I'd go to Corinth and Selmer and get to work with guys like Derek King and, you know, guys like that, that, that you know, and he was, hell, he was my age, but, you know, he the training he got was far superior than what any of us got, and, hell, me and Kilgore learned more just going in the ring against each other and just fucking around with the crowd and doing stuff we'd seen on old, you know, NWA tapes and stuff like that than anything else, you know. Or me and you even, you know. It was, man, I mean, I don't know. I just, the guys don't care no more. I mean, it's just, you know, that's, I I know I keep going back to that, but I mean, that's, that's the honest guy's truth. Promoters don't care. Guys don't care, you know. I mean, it's just one of those things that nobody, everybody could care less, you know, if they're even there. Hell, when the fans know more about what's going to happen on your show than you know about what's going to happen, something totally wrong with the business, man. Way wrong. Well, I mean, I, I I think both of you guys can attest to this. I mean, and we all kind of, I mean, you you came in ahead of me and Neil. But, I mean, we all kind of grew up in it together, you know, I like to say. But 
I mean, I, when I got in, I was so excited to be involved in wrestling. I, I was, I was probably more excited then to be wrestling in the second match against, you know, you know, me and Neil against Bo and somebody, or me and you against Chris and Josh, and just whatever match I was in, just getting to be there. Then, then I am now, you know, against a Lawler or somebody like that. Like, um, you know, it's weird. Like, and like you say. I feel like the young guys now don't have that appreciation just to have a chance to be on the show. Like they expect more. And then, you know, I talked about this last week some, but you know, like there's this kid in the dressing room and Derek King goes over there and sits him down and starts telling him about, you know, what he could do better. And the guy just looks disgusted. Like, you know, he, he's pissed off that Derek's trying to help him. I'm like, God damn, we didn't have that. You know, I mean, we had some of that, but we didn't have a whole lot of that. Like, you know, we at least had to go ask most of the time. There weren't guys that just pulled us out and go, hey, if you did this this way, it would work better. And now these guys have people trying to do that for them, and they don't give a shit enough to even listen. Yeah, we... They just we might have pat them on the back and go, oh, great job, great job. Yeah, we we never had anything like that. We just got the hell beat out of us. With kendo exactly. sticks or chairs or canes or cans <laughs> or whatever the fuck he could grab. Get our heads split <laughs> open with a chair, you know. Yeah, that was fun. Speaking of speaking of, man, I I was thinking the other day, man, about when we was wrestling in uh Russellville, Alabama, over there at uh, Club Espanol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where uh where Ned the Deal came in, I think. And, uh, <laughs> yep. I think I think if I remember right, Tommy Dobbs. Neil worked. Yeah. Neil worked Bubba Monroe over there one night, and Bubba hit Neil so fucking hard in the top of the head that his nose started pouring blood right in the middle of the match. I think Neil left the match and came to the dressing room like, fuck it, I'm done. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I remember, um, I don't remember who I tagged with on that. That was the first tag, that was the first tag match I ever did with, uh, it, against Sammy and Bubba, because like everybody had worked them and talked about, you know how that how stiff they were and how Bib, Bubba did beat you to death and all this other stuff. That was the first time I'd ever worked them in a tag team, and I so I was I was a little bit ready for it already. But yeah, he uh, for whatever reason he kicked me in the stomach and then punched me right in the top of the head. And I'm talking about, boy, it was solid. And I felt, as soon as he hit me, I felt that blood coming. I was like, man, the hell with this. <laughs> I get my, get my ass whipped. But anyway. But yeah, hey, I, I, I remember that too. Man, uh, uh, that ran those shows. Wasn't his name like Chris something? Uh, God, Tony. Uh, I don't, I don't know if remember. he was running it. He was booking it. Uh, Chris. He was the he called himself Prophet, and for like a while he wow. was doing Raven, and then then he turned into the Undertaker, and then you know like he was always knocking off somebody else's gimmick. I've did some shows with him like in recent years, and uh, he doesn't yeah. like me because I made fun of him pretty hard on the commentary for that ten dollar wrestling, and, and he hates me pretty bad because of that. Him and his wife, I made fun of both of them, but um, but I was I making fun of him then. Hell, I was sitting in the DJ booth making fun of his ass over the house mic while he was in the ring wrestling, making fun of how stupid it was. He was dressed up like the damn Undertaker, so I don't know why he was surprised by any of that. He was Cactus Jack for a while, too. Oh, yeah, Cactus yeah, Jack as well, yeah. He did Raven, Foley, and Undertaker. 
I remember him, him working a kid over there, man, and and that was before any of us drank on the shows or took pills or anything like that before the shows <laughs> because we were all goody goodies. But I remember him working that. What are you talking about? We didn't ever do that, Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember him hitting that kid with that damn plate glass mirror right in the temple, man, and laying mm-hmm. his fucking artery wide open. The kid almost died because I couldn't sew him up because he was drunk. Yeah. Right there, like, and I was like, man, granted, I was still, I was probably only like 18 then. So I was still kind of, I was young, but I wasn't young to the business, but I was young age-wise, and I was like, do I really, you know, it was kind of another one of those points where, do I really want to do this? Like, is shit like this going to happen? But I don't know. You know, that's that, that's one of Leslie Jones' favorite stories about going to Alabama because he went with me and Neil over there, and we sat down in the dressing room and looked around at Prophet sitting there and a bunch of them guys are sitting around. And we look, and there sits David Cox. And they go, who do you want to work tonight? And me and Neil looked at each other and said, yeah, we'll take David. And Leslie's like, God <laughs> damn. <laughs> He said, you know it's bad when y'all want to work David Cox. I can't get either one of y'all work at some bitch over in Tupelo. <laughs> you know the bad yeah. part, you know the bad the bad part about that was Justin Envy was sitting in that dressing room too. That's when we met him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Well, well, Tony, remember, when uh, you look back go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say when you look back now. Um, like, what is your favorite time in the business? Like, what what do you look back and go, man? That's that's when the shit was fun. That's that's what I missed. Uh, I right up to the IWF days and right up to the end of it. That that was that to me that was probably the 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 most fun stuff that we done. Just because there was actual storylines, man, you know, leading into leading into stuff, man. Is now it's just like, okay, we're gonna go run this town, and you're gonna work so and so. Now you're just gonna, or you know, we we're gonna be back here in a month. We we're not gonna set anything up, but you're gonna be here. And I'm I'm just yeah. like, man. I mean, there's, there's no storylines, and that was one of Joel's downfalls, man, down there in in uh, Oklahoma. And, I, you know, he knows that. It's nothing that I would hide from anybody. He has my opinion, and I told him. I said, we, you know, we, we don't have any storylines. You don't bring anything back for the people that want to come back. You know, if you have if you have Rodney as the champion, then you've got to have somebody for Rodney to work. You know, and you don't want to do a yeah. match, you know, have Rodney work somebody different every month. You know, build up somebody for Rodney to run an angle with and make it worth something. You know, he can do it. Or, you know, whatever. Anybody. Any any of the guys like that, man. I mean, you know, that that's the stuff that I miss is the is the storylines and you know and the, the build up to it. You know, to the kill off shows or whatever. Yeah. The fucking deal that we done, man, with Leslie being the owner to IWF. Oh my God! I mean, walking through Walmart, man, people would stop us and ask us, "Well, who's the owner?" You know, and I mean, that's the shit that I miss. It's not the fact that, oh, hey, man, you still wrestling? You know, kids, guys walk up to me now, and me and me and Ashley and the kids will be out in town, man. And she's like, "God damn, do you know everybody?" And I'm like, "No, I don't know who the fuck that is." 
Well, apparently they know me because they know I wrestle. <laughs> but it, yeah. you know, it, then it was, you know, well, oh, oh man, what are, what are you guys going to do next week? You know, uh, what you, you know, what's 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 going to air, man? Uh, who's the new owner? What? Oh man, how, how much did it cost y'all to get out of jail? Well, guess what, motherfuckers? We really didn't go to jail. We got dropped off in Fun World and had to walk the fucking back. <laughs> <laughs> and they slung us all over the back of that damn car. So that was the first time I'd ever been in the back of the car, back of a damn cop car, and I didn't know they were hard plastic. That son of a bitch <laughs> threw me in the back of that cop car, handcuffed behind my back. I'm in Mike's fucking lap over there, and Mike's laughing. And I'm like, dude, about that time they take off out of the damn parking lot of the Salvation Army Community Center sideways, and I'm sliding all over the back seat. Look like I'm giving Mike fucking road head going down the damn road in a cop car. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's that's man. the stuff, man. I mean, you know, it that that was the fun stuff, man. I mean, in all honesty, it, that that's that's what that's what I miss. That's what everybody misses, you know, is is the 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 angles, the build up to it, man. I mean, is the and then the kill off, you know, and not necessarily jumping yeah. right back into an angle, you know, is. It, Taking, you know, taking it and make it work, man. Just the whole show, guys from start to finish, being able to go out there and put on a show, not having to say, okay, well, we got, we got uh, Joe Blow over here. Let's put in with Curly Moe and hope like the fuck they can go out there and have a show. You know, make it, put on a show together, and and then you got, you got me that can't do shit no more because I'm so damn broke down. And you're looking around the dressing room being like, okay, well, maybe Tony and Motley can go out there and kill each other or, and not really get hurt or whatever, you know. It's just, I mean, nobody's nobody's really healthy enough. Not a, none of the older guys are really healthy enough to go out there and, and, and put on the show that we did back in, you know, 90, 98, 99, 2000. <laughs> but, man, I mean, that's... Well, see, that's why I was that's smart what, enough not to do shit back then. Because now, you know, I I can do exactly what I did in '98. I mean, I still I didn't do shit then. I still don't do shit now. So I mean, I'm I'm right there. You know, I can still do exactly what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I can stay in that corner and cheer Neil on with the best of them. You know. That's uh. Damn it. Somebody asked me the other day. Uh, they were like, <laughs> "When are y'all gonna tag back up, man? Y'all, I miss y'all tagging up." I'm like, "Do you realize?" Eddie's 40, Mike's knocking on 40, and I'm fucking 37 almost. We ain't the, the damn Jeff Hardy imitations anymore that can go out there and do the damn... Mike can't go out there and hit a swan tine, and I'm not jumping off the fucking top rope with a leg drop anymore, and I'm not dying my hair. I mean, it, you know, I'm just like, y'all are trying well, you, to I mean, handle something never going to happen. You know? <laughs> Y'all realize that, like, we're the age, like, when we were young coming in and we were like, man, them old guys need to just let us do our thing out there. Like, we're the age of those guys now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and uh, at the time, it struck me. I'm like, they don't yeah. act like they're old. And then I realized, like, well, I don't think I'm old. I'll be 40 in July. But I don't look at myself as being old now. I mean, until I start trying to do shit, and then I realize, like, oh, God, I'm old, but. You know what I mean? Like, it, all that kind of is coming full circle for me now. I'm like, oh, now I realize why them guys didn't act like they thought they were past their prime because they didn't realize it because none of us really do to some degree. I mean, you do because you're saying it, but I'm just saying in general. 
or at least I guess maybe the fans don't look at it that way. I don't know, but um, you know, and I, I, that's that's another thing, man. Is like Terrell. I mean, I I think of Terrell as a brother. You know, I mean, it, I, granted, I ain't known him as long as I've known y'all or nothing, but I mean, hell, like you know, he's he grew on me. You know, he, but he's like, all right, what what can you do? I'm like, as little as possible, in all honesty. I mean, a lot of folks, I mean, I guess they do if they're on my Facebook because I blow that shit up because I'm, I'm a businessman now. <laughs> but, I mean, I own my own fucking construction business or remodeling business, and, I mean, I'm hands-on, you know. I don't I don't have a big-ass crew that runs and does it, you know, if I get a job or whatever. I'm, I'm hands-on. I'm doing the work myself, too. And I make a thousand times more doing that than I ever did wrestling. So I mean, you know, yeah. that's that's you can't go break your shit on yeah. Saturday night and not be able to work Monday morning. Right. So I mean, you know, I'm 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 limited to what I what I can do, you know, in the ring now. I mean, in all honesty, man, I hell I've been battling with them tendonitis for three months now and I mean they're like, Oh, cortisone shots, cortisone shots, fuck that. You can stick in that and damn needle on my elbow, not happening. Amen. So you can go wrestle at the community center in front of a hundred people. You know what I mean? Like these guys that are, you know, they got to shoot cortisone and Jeff Hardy's hips so they can do a ladder match at WrestleMania. More power to them. But you know, why are you going to put yourself through that to go wrestle in front of a hundred, two hundred people for minimal amount of money, and then you still got to get up and go to work Monday morning? It's just not. It's just not feasible. Right. I've, you know, and that's. I mean, a lot of guys. I mean, even. The, you still, a lot of the younger guys ain't going out and doing, you know, the the, the bullshit uh, flips and shit like the Chris and Josh and uh, Anton when he was starting and you know guys like that, man. A lot of those, a lot of the younger guys now they're not trying to do that because they're they just, I don't know. I guess they're just trying to get laid. I mean, more or less, they're coming out. <laughs> man, they don't, they don't care. They, I mean. I, uh, I ain't even going to start it because I think y'all worked with the crew down that I was going to bitch on, but I ain't going to. <laughs> and y'all already know nah. who it is. I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> but anyway, though. Well, and, and that actually covers a lot of people, truth be told. Yeah. Well, it's Columbus. I'll go ahead and throw it out there. It's the Columbus yeah. down the. Uh, Lavender deal or whatever But man I mean You know Terry had messaged me and called me and texted me And you know Numerous times want me to come down and work And I'm just like no it's not going to happen You know I mean in all honesty I mean you got You got one guy calling himself Dustin Diamond Screech And I'm like <laughs> Okay then you got Soldier back down there And I'm like yeah fuck that I done been that route Jody Jody ain't gotten any worse or any better. So, I mean, you know, it's just... <laughs> and, I mean, it's, it's not... That is cool. I like the guys. You know, I like all the guys, personally. But as far as business, man, I'm not going to put my health in their hands no more. I mean, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> well, and that kind of shit's killing the business because people go to that and they think, oh, that's what wrestling is now. And it hurts it for everybody else who's trying to run a legitimate, decent show. And I mean, and they may hate me for saying that, but I've said it plenty of other times. That ain't anything new. 
Um, right. But that's that's the that's why I get offended by those kinds of shows because there are people who who go and see that and they go, God dang, that's what wrestling's become. Fuck that. And then when they see it somewhere else for somebody else's show and they go, No, nah, I already know what that's about, and uh, and they avoid it. And I, I just think that's sad for the other promoters who are trying to do things right that that you know people's been uh, you know turned off by shit like that being around but you can't do anything about it at this point it is what it is yeah uh, but you know back to back to a point you was making earlier you know when you were saying about the storyline and y'all may remember this differently but when i when i first started in wrestling that was the thing that drove me the most crazy going to like sammy shows and the ones they were running then because you know I, i was going to the shows me and my little brother who's who's listening right now, what's up with, um, would go to those shows and all the different, you know, Columbus and Pontotoc and, you know, Tupelo and all these different places, just Altillo, and was going to the shows. And the thing would drive me crazy about those shows, even as a fan, is like, I could go, I could go to Columbus on Friday night, two guys would be wrestling each other, and then you could go up the road to Pontotoc the next night, and they'd be partners with no explanation, and then they come back to Columbus in the very same building and be partners when they wrestled each other the time before, and that drove me nuts. So once I got involved, my biggest mission was to try to fight that, and like, you know, my debut in wrestling was coming out of the crowd because the only angle on those shows was Sammy and either Sammy and Wayne or Sammy and Bubba against Chris and Josh. Everything else yeah. kind of fell together, and you just did whatever. And Pat was either a super destroyer, or he was Sergeant Slaughter, or he was nine other fucking masked gimmicks. And uh, but that was the, the constant. So, you know, I ran out of the crowd and ethered Chris and cost the Flyboys their match after Denise had sat out there and Denise had banned everybody from the building and all the heels were locked in the dressing room and, and, and nobody could interfere. Now this fat guy runs out of the crowd and takes Chris out. And I'm like, well, God damn it, I ought to be the biggest heel on the show now. I just cost the Flyboys their match that they had to win. Next show, me and Chris were going to be tag team partners. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck, Sammy? I will put a hood on you. Nobody will know. I'm like, I'm the biggest guy on this show put a hood on me or not, folks are going to know who I am. So after ethering the one show, the very next month, I was a tag team partner, and that was my introduction <laughs> to how things worked. And I fought that and fought that and tried to do everything I could to where, if nothing else, at least my shit was consistent show to show. And, uh, God, I spent a lot of time banging my head against the wall trying to do that, and I'm sure pissing Sammy and some of them off in the process, but... You know, I'd go out there on the mic, and I'd just set up my own fucking matches. Like, I wouldn't ask, like, hey, you know, when we come back, can I do this? Like, I went out there and set up that fucking stretcher match with Ricky. I didn't ask him, like, I could do that. I just went out there and grabbed the mic and said, Ricky Franks, next time we're here, I, you know, we're going to fight in a stretcher match. And when I got to the dressing room, uh, Sammy's just like, well, I hope you have a stretcher. I said, well, by God, I'll find one. And then I had to remind him <laughs> when we came back, you know, hey, we're doing that stretcher match from last time. Oh, are we still doing that? Yes, because I said I was going to, damn it. We're going to do it. And right. uh, and then Tony was uh, – I remember that show specifically because Tony was Tony on that show. I don't remember if you were Tony of the firm or just Tony. But I remember you were also <laughs> Freddy Krueger on that show as well, <laughs> which was uh, fun to watch. It's freaking summertime, and you got to put a damn sweater on and a rubber mask and all this shit. Oh, I remember that. Freddy Krueger. 
At least I wasn't Don Dildo. That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the world was cheated. The, the, the fact that never happened. If no, if nobody else on earth was entertained by that, Chris Kilgore was so perversely entertained by that gimmick. Oh, my God. That's the same night that uh, Sammy almost killed him, right? Ain't that the same night he gigged him and fucking hit that artery or whatever and almost killed mm-hmm. him? And blood, like blood nearly sprayed down Joel Gillentine's throat because it was spraying yeah. outward. <laughs> yeah, he's over on the apron damn near puking. Yeah, it was that. Oh, my God. I remember that, man. Because we were trying to, and then Chris thought Dago was damn God's gift to women because he could fucking dance. He was like, let's call him the dancing dildo. And I was like, God damn, what's your fucking imagination with dildos? <laughs> he was going to name somebody dildos on Hell or High Water. Man, I got some, I, I ain't going to bring that up because domestic violence and all that shit will be involved. But, man, I'm going to tell you, Chris, Chris Kilgore can swing a guitar. Let's we'll put it that way. <laughs> man, yeah, but, yeah, he his infatuation with dildos, man. I don't know what the fuck was up with that. Like dancing dildo and Don dildo and Ricky Flames. We would be oh, in, like, we would be in training. And he had been teaching Ricky, you know, quote unquote, because the big plan was at some point Ricky was going to turn heel and he's going to do a gay gimmick. He's going to be called Don Dildo. And then, and Ricky's like, well, I didn't know if I could do that in front of my mom and my church people and all this. But we would be training, and and, and Josh Holly or you or me or whoever would have Ricky down, you know, on the mat in a side headlock or whatever. And Chris would go, <laughs> how would Don Bildo get out of this? And that motherfucker would grab your balls or try to thumb you up the ass. And, like, <laughs> I mean, he would go right to it. Like, he didn't bat an eye. And then Chris would go, <laughs> just thought that was the funniest thing in the world. He just got you molested by Ricky Flame. Right. <laughs> Don Dildo. I, I saw Ricky. I saw Ricky at Fair Park in Tupelo, man, like five or six years ago. It was some kind of festival or whatever going on. And that son of a bitch, he walked up to me and he said, you look familiar. I said, yeah, I should. He said, uh, where do I know you from? And I was like, I'm Tony Dabbs. He's like, he said, oh, my God, you are, ain't you? And I was like, yeah. He said, how have you been? And you know, he was married, man, and had like two kids. I always thought he was really gay. I don't have anything wrong with that. I'm just saying. I always thought he was gay. <laughs> but no, he, he he ended up getting married and had like two kids. And like you said earlier, hell, he is some kind of damn IRS guy or something, man. He works for the feds and everything. Well, I heard at one point he was like big as me. Yeah, he, he's, <laughs> he, he's quite large. I mean, he, he, he gained a lot of weight, man. And I don't know. I like I said, I hadn't seen him, man. And shit, I mean, that was probably... It had to be at least six years ago. I don't know what the hell. Yeah. But <laughs> I, man, I, didn't he? I didn't thought, he used to help feed people at the jail or something? Yeah, he was like a yeah. jailer or something, other something like that. Mm, but hell, maybe that had some thought, influence on his choices or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw Josh Holly, man. Uh, I don't know, a couple, maybe two or three months ago. And that son of a bitch is white-headed, and he ain't but a year older than I am. Really? Man. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's crazy. 
Wow. Hey, and I wouldn't know. I thought I walked right weighed, past him. I bet he weighs 350 pounds. Yeah. Really? Oh, my God. I can't even think yeah. that. I haven't seen him in forever either. That's, <laughs> that's crazy. No, you you probably have saw him. You probably just didn't recognize him because I didn't know he was. <laughs> didn't recognize who he was, yeah. Yeah. It's, old it's, husband it's, in law. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. We ain't going to talk about none of the past relationships. <laughs> I'm cool with that. Let's, yeah. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> I tag, Neil. Get in there. <laughs> Let's go home. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Anyway, so wrestling, yeah. (laughs) yeah, I think it's funny having real real quickly. I think it's funny having you two guys on here, Um, because you know, like back we started, or I mean, like I say, you started before we did. But by the time me and Neil were were coming around. Wrestling was just popular as hell. You had the Monday Night Wars. You know, Leslie was making a living selling wrestling T-shirts at the mall, which is unheard of now. Um, and you could feel, you could pack the Saltillo Community Center with, quote, unquote, a bunch of no-names like us. They were like, you didn't have to book a name. They saw wrestling on the poster, and people just showed up everywhere we went. I mean, we were wrestling in front of large crowds without names, which now you you couldn't even think of doing. Uh, but in latter years, the two main names that people bring to shows in, in North Mississippi, Jerry the King Lawler, Buff Bagwell. So nine times out of a ten, if somebody's wrestling Buff Bagwell, it's Tony Dabbs. If somebody's wrestling Jerry Lawler, it's Neil Taylor. Like You guys have become synonymous with the two main names that anybody books in that area. You know, if, if you guys have been known to work them. So, uh, I guess for both of y'all, tell me a little bit about how that's been for you and, and, and like, your perception of each guy going into, like, the first time you worked them compared to now when you both wrestled each of them dozens of times. Well, I'm sure Neil's the same as I am. When Neil first worked Lawler, he kind of – it's kind of like, I don't know, this little teenage fangirl, fanboy thing. I mean, because fuck, Lawler was everybody's idol, man. But hell, with me, I was always kind of the jokester type with the fucking top hat and the cat in the hat shit and whatever. Hell, I always liked Bagwell. Well, now we're like friends. And, I mean, we... This motherfucker will text me on my birthday or Father's Day or Christmas or whatever, you know, and be like, now it's just like, okay, I'm I'm going to work buff. But then it was like, okay, hell yeah. I, you know, I look forward to it. But like I said, I mean, now it's just like, it's just like I'd be working Chris Kilgore, you know. I mean, fuck, you only can do it so many times and do so many sequences of different moves and then you got to start all over again. But, man, I mean, you know, I, I still, I, I guess I still enjoy it because people put that much faith in me to actually go out there and have a decent match with somebody like that because, I mean, that's how right. he makes his living, you know. 
I mean, he's he's working yeah. 250, 265 dates a year, you know, even now. So, yeah. you know, I mean, that, that, that's his living, you know. So, I mean, if, if somebody puts that kind of faith in me, you know, to, to actually go out there and work with them, you know, I'm cool with that. But it, now it's just, you know, like a normal match compared to back then. I was scared I was going to fuck something up or forget something. He's going to beat the shit out of me because he's like four times my size. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I I guess was working with Jerry so much. It's it, it's a lot of the same thing that Tony said. You know, it's you know in the beginning it was you know it was really really cool to work with Jerry and because you know Jerry's been the biggest star that the Mid South has ever produced. And you know now it's kind of like it, it. It's still kind of exciting, but you you know what you're getting into it when you you know when you're when you hear the match, you know kind of how things are going to go. And I get more excited now about the fact that I know it's going to draw a big crowd and we're going to make some money. <laughs> so right. you know, I, but you know it it is cool to to for somebody to put that much faith in you to put you in there with somebody like that and. And, you know, I've worked with Jerry in several different promotions. And, um, you know, hell, I've wrestled Jerry on nights before he was flying out the next morning to go to a pay-per-view for WWE. You know, now those matches were very, very carefully put together because God knows I didn't want to cripple Jerry Lawler before he went on television (laughs) or give him a black eye or something. But, uh, but, you know, it's it's still a little bit fun, you know, to – to know that you're you're getting to work with the with the name guy, you know, or somebody that you that you looked up to, you know, whether it be, you know, Buff and Tony's situation or or, or Jerry and mine, you know, it, it's still kind of fun because you know that it's the match that everybody's going to be everybody's going to be watching and everybody's li- everybody's looking forward to. And that's interchangeable because I know you've wrestled Buff on occasion and, and Tony's wrestled Lawler on occasion, but I just mean you guys are synonymous. Whenever you hear Buff or Lawler's coming to town, you go, okay, well, you know, they're wrestling Neil or Tony, you know, <laughs> depending on who it is. That's usually the yeah. case. And I, and I, and I, that's, I guess it's a testament to y'all and them both that they still draw, even though those combinations of matchups have happened quite a few times. People still turn out for them, and they still react well for them, you know, so that's cool. Is there anybody – I'll pose this question to both of y'all, and I guess we'll, we'll have Tony go first. Um, is there anybody that – you know, because I know Tony's kind of, like you were talking about earlier, kind of winding it down now. Um, is there anybody that you always kind of wanted to get a chance to work with but never really got to that you'd like to hopefully maybe get a chance to work before you're done? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, there's there's one guy, but we all know that ain't going to fucking happen. That's Hogan. That would have been – that would have been – I would – I would have undertakered that motherfucker. Like, I'd have took my shit off. I'd took everything <laughs> off. I'd have left my underwear, left it in the middle of the ring to fucking work Hogan. But, of course, <laughs> we all know that's not going to happen. Dirty, I know I mean, you're I, listening. Uh, start saving. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Make it happen, brother. About seven or eight years ago, maybe not that long ago, I worked uh, Ripley for Rodney Grimes. And, uh, I got there, and Buff was on the show. He's the one that called me and got me to come up. And uh, 
I end up getting there, and Rodney's like, well, I want to, don't you do a dark match? I was like, oh, it's televised? He's like, no, no. It's, uh, it's a dark <laughs> match before everybody else gets in the building. It's kind of a pre-sales uh, match for all the all the meet-and-greet people. And I was like, oh, okay. So I go out and I work LSD, and uh, they put me over, of course, and fuck, I go back to the dressing room, and they only had like two of those dark matches that they call it, and uh, I go to the dressing room, and Al Hall comes up to me, and he's like, hey, don't get undressed, and I was like, fuck you, I'm done, I, you know, I'm just, I'm here just to see Buff, he's like, no, for real, don't get undressed, he's like, Buff done volunteered you, and I was like, volunteer me for what, he's like, you gotta work Jimmy Wang Yang tonight, I was like, fuck that, dude, I'm not, he's like, come on, man, he's the only guy here that they put in the fight for and I was like, dude, I can't, he's like, come on. So I was like, all right, I gave in. I fucking go over and I meet Jimmy. And uh, he's honestly probably one of the coolest guys you'd ever meet in your life, man. He introduced himself. And he's, you know, asking me what all they wanted to do. And I was like, man, I said, I'm here for you. I said, uh, whatever you want to do. So I was like, all right, cool. We, we end up doing a match. He chopped me like 90, well, I don't know. 94, 95, maybe 110 times. Ripped my shirt off. I was black and blue from elbow to fucking elbow. And every time he chopped me, he was like, sorry about that. Sorry about that. And I was like, well, just fucking stop, man. Just fucking stop. All right, so I've done work twice on this show. So I'm getting undressed this time. I'm taking my boots off, and Al comes up to me again. I was like, yes. You might as well hang it up. I'm done. I can't breathe. My chest is fucking caved in. I'm done. He said, no, I need you. I need you in the main event. I was like, I can't. He's like, come on, man. I need you to tag up with the Canadian Lumberjacks or whatever the fuck their name was. Yeah. I was like, all right, who, who, what are we doing? He's like, well, Jimmy's going to manage y'all. He's like, y'all are going to go out and y'all going to work Rodney, Doug, and Rick Steiner. And I was like, nope. Not happening. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, come on, man. He's like, for real. By this time, Rodney's, I don't know if y'all been around Rodney a lot lately or around that time, but Rodney was coked out of his fucking mind, dude. Like, he was on that shit hard. <laughs> anyway, Rodney's back there running back and forth. I'm talking about running. And that may be why the stench came from. Anyway, he's running, man. No, it's not. <laughs> we go out We go out clueless As to what's going on But Lumberjacks Those guys man Didn't act like They wanted to even Get in the ring So I'm in the ring With Rodney And Doug's hollering Across the ring God damn it Rodney Slow the fuck down Rodney's just Gritting his teeth Going to town uh, So finally I snatched Rodney In a damn chin lock Doug's like Hold that little motherfucker So I've got him Man <laughs> Uh, Doug's like Cut him off Tag me in So as he's cutting him off He tags Rick and Doug At the same time So I guess this is the go home <laughs> The other guy's barely even been in the ring at all I'm in there and I'm selling Doug's got me in the corner Beating me or whatever About that time I look up And here comes Rick Steiner Running across a 20 by 20 Wide fucking open Oh <laughs> yeah, with his motorcycle boots on and a bandana, 
and I'm thinking, please don't let him hit me. Please don't let him hit me. Please don't let him hit me. Well, man, this dude's running. I'm talking about wide open. Doug steps aside and grabs one of the lumberjacks, and Rick comes straight at me. And, I mean, he comes at me 100 miles an hour, and he punches me. And I was like, that was the lightest punch. I think his punches were actually lighter than Jimmy Baggins, if that counts for Jesus. <laughs> yeah, and, I, I mean, I'm telling you, dude, wow. I to God, I'd heard horror stories, even from Buck. Oh, yeah. I'd heard horror stories about Rick. But he's probably the lightest guy I've ever been in a ring with, ever. I don't know if he felt sorry for me because I was in there with Rodney running to death or what. <laughs> in all honesty, man, he was one of the lightest guys I've ever been in the ring with. And I was scared. Like, I had, I was, I don't get scared much, but I was scared going into that match because I was scared of Rick. But after that, I was like, holy shit, man. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of a bucket list, man. I, I had my bucket list, and I, I conquered that in Tupelo, man, when – I actually got to tag up against, uh, and and y'all were part of the match, man. The 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 six man we done in Tupelo against uh, Lawler, Dundee, and Neil, and me, you, and me, you, yeah. and uh, uh, Eddie, Brett, yeah, Brett, so, brother. Bucket this, man. When you when you get to when you get to work Lawler and Dundee in Tupelo in a tag match, that's that's bucket list, man. No doubt. It's funny. I remember I was uh, I was coming to work for you, uh, IPW or something around that time. So me and you was kind of messaging back and forth, and and you sent me a message. You're like, man, my fucking chest. Is Jimmy Wayne Yang just beat the shit out of me. And then a little bit later, you you sent we were messaging back and forth. And you said something else about, well, Rick Steiner really wasn't that stiff. And I go, well, wait a minute. I thought you wrestled Jimmy Wayne Yang. And you're like, oh motherfucker, I worked three times. And you went to tell me that. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Roddy probably came and handed you ten bucks when it was over with. <laughs> That's just purely speculation. Yeah. I don't know that to be true. Anyway, Neil, who's on your bucket list to, to wrestle? Um, realistically, probably I've always wanted to work with Terry Funk, and and, and this is this is going to be a uh, this this may be a, come as a shock a little bit, but. I, I always wanted to work with the honky tonk man. <laughs> That's a name you don't. I can see that. I mean, that'd be fun as hell. But God, it would be. Tell me it wouldn't. And, and that almost happened um, back when uh, Steve Creasy was around. Around the first time I wrestled Lawler, he was talking about bringing in honky tonk man one time. And uh, but yeah, and but it never happened, of course. But I, I've always wanted to work with uh, Terry Funk would probably be the pinnacle for me. Besides, you know, have working Lawler, uh, Terry Funk would probably be probably be it. You know, I just uh, God, I wish I had so a Terry Funk funny. impression right now. <laughs> I just don't have a good one though. Your mother, your mother's a whore. <laughs> Your poor mother would be out in the crowd and Terry Funk's calling her a whore. <laughs> you can do the old Foley spot where he calls your mother a whore and you don't care and he calls your sister a whore and you don't care. And then Leslie Jones is a whore and you go in there and just beat the shit out of him because everybody would pop for that, you know. <laughs> That'd be great. Well, guys, I hate to cut it short, man, but I gotta get my ass in the bed. I gotta. Well, all right, brother. We appreciate you staying up. I mean, eleven yeah. nineteen on a Sunday night for a working man is pretty damn impressive. But 
before you go dirty, if you're listening to this, here's your big match next year. Southern Destruction reunited. Neil the Real Deal Taylor, Bad Attitude Tony Dabbs, Gene Jackson versus Jerry the King Lawler, Buff Bagwell, and Hulk Hogan. Make it happen, Dirty. I know you can. That will be a hell of an OWO Super Show right there. And uh, we might even lay down one more time for that one. Of course, we got to have Jimmy in our corner, so plan for that. And then you have Jimmy Hart in their corner. That works for Lawler and uh, Hogan, right? So, I mean... So if if anybody's listening, start blowing up Dirty's inbox right now to make that match happen. Let's let's, let's do this. <laughs> Amory Mania. Hell yeah, oh brother. Well, all right, Tony. It's been fun, brother. I appreciate you coming on and doing this. We'll have to have you on again sometime. Man, oh yeah. yeah, appreciate it. Oh yeah. Thanks, Tony. All right. Well, all right, Neil, there he was, Bad Attitude Tony Dabbs on the show, and uh, and he didn't disappoint. My brother texted me and said, uh, 20 minutes in, this was already one of his favorite episodes because we were talking about people that he knew and remembered from uh, coming to shows when he was a kid. So he said he was having fun listening to this. So hope everybody else felt awesome. the same way. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Tony Dabbs is over, man. What can you say? <laughs> he's our buddy, but he's uh, – like I, like I say, he's one of the most tenured guys in the area now. You know, I mean, he, he's been around and uh, and done it all. Oh my God, like I say, uh, CWA he legend show, and he's in damn near every match. He is. He, he is. Yeah. yeah, he's the most tenured guy right here now, yeah. You're next. He's officially the old fucker. Yeah, I'm next. If I had a, <laughs> if I'd have stuck around. That's what's sad is, you know, I'm older than you and Tony. But you guys have way more matches on me now because I dipped out for 10 years. So, you know, I thought about that when we were in that tag match, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, and originally I was like the leader of the team. And even though I'm older and technically started before Neil, he's had like five times as many matches as I have at this point. So, (laughs) all right, should be leading the shit. Um, so last week I got carried away. We, we, uh, we had a, a fun interview with Stormy Lee and then you and I got to talking about, uh, the Amory show, and I just completely uh, forgot to do our bad promo of the week, and I got a couple emails about it. So we're going to go right into that right now while it's on my mind. We've got a promo from a man. I don't know that everybody's going to be familiar with Bobby Jaggers, uh, but Bobby Jaggers <laughs> was a star back in the territory days in Memphis uh, in mid-Atlantic and then later the Crockett Territory. And uh, I guess he's best known for tagging with Dutch Mantell as the Kansas Jayhawks at one point. But what he's not known for is for being a great promo. And here is a fine example of that <laughs> right here and now. So let's check this out. And what? Hangman Bobby Jaggers. Well, you know, Stan, as we stand here and we talk, you know what happened earlier tonight? You know what was behind it? You know who was behind it? And, you know, I've got to kick myself behind in for about five seconds because it was my fault. Nobody else's fault that I'm stupid enough to come up here and argue with Rip Oliver when he's got one of his idiots running around. Well, I'll tell you something, Nagasaki. There's all kinds of things going on right now about how you're going to be suspended, you're going to be fined. I pray they don't suspend you, son. I pray that you stay here until the day that I can break your... Can't say that on TV, Stanley. I know that. I'll tell you something right now, Rip Oliver. 
Whatever diversions you plan, wherever you plan, listen, Finley, Spokane, Yakima, it don't bother me, son. What bothers me is that I'm a little bit ignorant myself. My daddy didn't raise no fool, Rip Oliver. Like I said before, Stanley, once, shame on me. Twice, Daddy, shame on you, and I'm going to be all over you, Rip Oliver. But the main thing is right now, Kendo Nagasaki, you like to come out here with sticks and beat on people? Well, son, I was a pretty good old hand with a Louisville slugger. And you know something, Stan? A few years ago in Tennessee, there was an old boy who was having a few problems named Buford Pusser. And as you know, you knew him as a professional wrestler. And they made a movie about him, brother. And he walked around with a big stick because he walked tall. Well, Rip Oliver, I see in my future that I'm going to get me a big stick, Daddy. And I'm going to walk tall all over the Northwest. And you know something? <laughs> mean Gene would have been conducting that interview. He would have been losing his mind. <laughs> Okay, so we're all over the place there. Uh, <laughs> he's son, he's daddy at one point. Uh, you know, he's going to be Buford Pusser. What was it? He, he's, daddy didn't raise an idiot, but he lost his mind. I don't know. I got lost, but wow, that was uh, – he's ready to He's ready to head down to the Lavender Coliseum, it sounds like. It's very least down there on the 14th. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh my lord! <laughs> hey, we got somebody calling in. Let's. Uh, nobody called during the Tony Dabs portion, so let's see who we got calling us right now. Six six two three one five. Who is this? This is the one and only Dirty. Dirty. I'll be damned. Was you listening? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was listening pretty good. Yeah, I was just letting y'all go for. I started calling in, and yeah, I wanted to. Talk about booking a match with Hogan. You know, so <laughs> we, we, are we on stuff. this? I mean, are we, are we on the same page here? <laughs> well, somebody somebody did ask me what what one person I would want to book uh, on one of my shows, and I always said Hogan, but I don't know. Like I said, I have to I maybe mean, have to do free benefits and have to claim about five kids on my income tax to make that happen. Start a go Well, so you got a plan that. You've got, you're ahead yeah. of the other promoters. You got a plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing about it. I, I won't mind actually trying. I, I always thought about not actually getting him in there to wrestle because, like I said, I know what he charges to wrestle, but I know I always thought about getting him to try to do an autograph sign or something like that. That'd be the one one person I want to book. But, well, I know, mean, you might I mean, know him in the ring. I mean, me and Neil can run into his foot and take a bump. You know, I mean, that's all he'd really have to do. Shoot us off, give us that big boot. He doesn't have to drop the leg. Yeah. I just put a foot on our chest. I'll, 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 I'll job out. I got I'm, I'm not above that. Well, that's the thing is, I, I mean, ain't, ain't the problem is the problem is the pay. Because I, I mean, I, I, I may look into it because I, I don't heard different stories of how much he charges actually. You know, well, I don't like the what he would charge. Somebody said he charged. Like, like, well, you're gonna have to book somewhere bigger than the Amory Community Center to pay him. I mean, well, know, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's 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 plus. You know, I had to do something. Like, you know, we can hold pretty good, but yeah, that's the thing. I, I, if I have some question, you, know, you know, I may just you know ask what he charges. You know, 
I mean, I, like I said, you hear different people. I ain't never act, tried to book them. Cause I, I figured the fee would probably be outrageous. Well, if you let Mr. Sensational manage this, I'm sure he might throw in on that a little bit. You know, <laughs> well, are you crazy? IWF slash OWO slash Rockstar Record presents Hulk Hogan versus the world or whatever. He won't yeah, ask nothing asking. but what he's what he won't ask for nothing but except for what he's getting paid. Leslie's the cheapest <laughs> master in the world. Yeah. Like I said, that would be a good good thing. Like I said, if I had a, if I if I can con- contact Hogan, I just I would like to see how much he really would charge. And you know, you know, like I said, I have to do a couple of benefits and start my GoFundMe and get about five kids. <laughs> I think I'll make it happen. I'm sure I can borrow some. Plan some ahead. Tony's. That's it. Yeah, claim some of Tony's kids. Claim claim some of David Cox's kids. You know, you can make it work for you. And if if you can't get Hogan, me and Neil would settle for Austin. I'm sure we could take a stunner or two. And uh, I don't really like beer being poured on me, but you know. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't be bad. It, that's the thing is like I mean I, you know you hear I, I I have heard what like Austin and Hogan charges and um but I I would like to actually talk to them or they real real agent and see how much they would charge just. Come, you know, do a show. Well, you can get Shawn Michaels to come if you tell him it's a damn gun show or something. <laughs> yeah. Tell him, tell him he can preach. Yeah, yeah. tell him it's for the NRA he and he can preach. And lot, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I mean, like I said, if, if I had contact, if I could actually talk to them and not somebody bull job, I, mean, I, I wouldn't mind just just to see because like, I don't heard prices. I think it's often a little bit cheaper than Hogan. But I don't know if they were actually do it. Well, his price just went up, and I just said that. He's not going to stand for that crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that, I mean, it's, it's life. Well, I mean, I just, you know, I just wanted you to know what kind of what kind of money we're talking that, that's going to have to be spent to get, you know, me and Neil back in the ring together again. I mean, you've seen we had to have Lawler and Derek <laughs> both together, and then a, a movie star brought in for us to come together the last time, so. If you want to do it again, you're going to have to keep up in the ante. You know, the names just have to keep getting bigger as we go along. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing. It, yeah, like I said, if you're going to job out, you got to job out my bigger than Lawler, and it's kind of hard to do. Goddamn right. And I'm not and I'm not driving from from Alabama for no TNA guy. I mean, don't don't come at me with no, <laughs> you know, EC3 or that's, that shit like that. I mean, you you must not know how much he wants to charge. He think I, he thinks he's Hogan. I know there's somebody else that's booked him next week, but they act like he got him for free. But I I, I talked to him and I, he 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 wants way more money than he's ever worth. But anyway, yeah, so I've heard. I've yeah. heard that too. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, I personally talked on the phone with him, and and he he he. I don't know if he thinks he's Hogan. Stone Cold and The Rock put together, but I, I don't think he is. But like I said, he might have just been trying to see if I was going to uh, whenever. But when he what he was asking, he won't Delta flight and a whole bunch of money, and it's like, no, you you not I mean. But somebody else got him pretty. Oh, yeah, they always test the water at first to see who they what they got on the hook there, you know, to see what you'll offer right off the bat. Because some of these guys just you know. 
they just got their tax money in. They're gonna they'll pay whatever, and uh, so they got to they got to test you out and see if if you're willing to come up off the money. Well, that was the thing with him, and like I said, I ain't I ain't gonna try to get on my on a rant because that's the thing people people say I know to get on your show and, and just go off about saw hard and stuff, but I just I just get kind of pissed off real easy. But that's the thing about him, and he's like one that like the other guys I've tried to book. Well, what can you pay me? And it's like. You don't know how much you want to do the show for. That's that's this is a simple question. And then I sh- I shot him a prize that I thought was reasonable. And then he's like, uh, uh, that's a little less than I take. But uh, he said, can you call me and we'll talk about it. So then he call I call him and talk about it. He's like, this is what I normally charge, but I'm I'll come for this. He's like, well, why don't you just say at the yeah. beginning why you didn't ask me why I'm gonna pay you? And so it's like, then I need a the flight and I need a five star hotel. And it's like, okay, they ain't a five star hotel and in Amory, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I'm probably gonna put you in the best place in Amory, which is you know, yeah, I was slightly under yeah, five stars, like, but you know, mm-hmm, I was and like, Tommy, you, know, you got it. Yeah, the ten Tommy, I don't even think that's a half star. <laughs> but <laughs> put him up at the Sands Hotel yeah, over there in Fulton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, over there, all, all American and Tupelo. Yeah. Then again, there's always the Southern Motel in Corinth, ain't there, Neil? Oh boy! Oh, <laughs> Channel I, 101. Somebody asked him want to meet me there a couple of weeks ago. I was like, no, I don't think so. I don't hear bad stories about that. But anyway, that's different. That's different. Story. Well, all right, Dirty. Well, we're gonna try to wrap this thing up because we've had a long weekend. I appreciate you calling in, and I appreciate that you're working on getting Hogan to come in for us. Because uh, yeah, you know, like we'll, y'all, we'll, if y'all, we'll, if y'all uh, got some contact, if y'all contact, got some contact, let me know, and I'll, I'll try to make it happen. It may take about eight years, but he he, he probably <laughs> still be alive then. <laughs> but well, yeah. we'll dig him up you're and drag him out to the ring if that's the case, but. We're not above mm-hmm. it. Well, all right, buddy. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, man. We'll, we'll talk to you later. Thank you. See you. Where are you going, Neil? That's an exciting development. We may wrestle Hogan after all. So, uh, see, it pays to throw that kind of shit out there, you know? You never know who's listening. You just never know. Never so, know. Never. Oh, coming boy. soon to a town near you in Mississippi, you may see Gene and Neil in there wrestling Hulk Hogan and Brutus the Barber Beefcake, how would that be? Or, or how would how would uh, Conrad Thompson call that when they're nailed? Brutus the fucking Barber Beefcake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he might would come manage us for that one. But uh. <laughs> he, he so before we that. go, like, as promised, uh, I want to mention our new sponsor, uh, Locals to Legends Wrestling Radio welcomes our new sponsor, Delta Wrestling. Delta Wrestling is a new up-and-coming video production company. And they're looking to offer exposure and professional video production to wrestling companies throughout the Mid-South and the surrounding areas. Delta Wrestling offers many services, including professional promo picks for talent, highlight videos, full DVD production, and much more. They've most recently worked with such shows as ASWF and Cape Championship Wrestling, our friend Jason the Brain over in Cape Girardeau. And they can do for you what they've done for these great shows, and that's bring more eyes to your product and broaden your fan base through the distribution of professionally produced full-length DVDs. So I urge you to check them out on YouTube at Delta Wrestling. There's a ton of great content there for you to check out and see what they are all about. And then if you want to contact them to do some business, you can contact them on an email at deltawrestling098 at gmail.com and make sure you tell them that your friends Gene and Neil 
sent you. I don't know if it'll get you a discount, but they'll be happy to know that you heard about it right here on Locals to Legends Wrestling Radio. Neil, have we covered it all this week, brother? Have we left anything out? Is there anything you want to plug? Anything you need to mention? Hell, oh my God, nothing I can think of. Maybe um, we can get like tempur mattresses or something to sponsor us. <laughs> God, we need to. My, our mattress is the shit. It's terrible. Man, Marie and Rosie will both both wake up feeling like we've been beat with a stick. So, yeah, if one of these mattress companies that you know sponsors like Mark Marin and Colt Cabana and some of these guys, if they could jump on board, that would be amazing. Cas- so, uh, Casper, Casper mattresses. Casper that's mattresses. It, that's, uh, it. <laughs> that's it. My God, if we could just you know land that DDP yoga, we'll be in business. And Dollar Shave Club. Damn right. And Dollar <laughs> Shave Club. Yeah, I could use some razors as well. So come on, Get folks. We need your help. If you will support our great sponsors, such as Rockstar Records, such as Acti Labs by Rosie, such as who we just mentioned, Delta Wrestling, uh, it'll catch on, and we'll start getting even more sponsors and bigger sponsors. And who knows, you may hear me and Neil cracking beer saying it's Miller time, or at the very least, maybe it's Milwaukee's best time for us. <laughs> the red dog time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hashtag Zima time. Huh? We're bringing it back. <laughs> oh, my God. Speaking of which, we, I, know this, I know this is weird to mention this on the air, but I know uh, I tagged in something. Bruce Pritchard's coming to WrestleCade, so if there's ever a year you decided to come with us to WrestleCade, this might be the one you need to do it on. So just keep that where in mind. Is, uh, where is it? Where's it going to be, and when? Uh, Winston Salem, North Carolina. Uh, it's it's like, the only problem is going to be like last year. It's Thanksgiving. Uh, thanks is the day after Thanksgiving, that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And so we leave out on Thanksgiving uh, to get over there to be there for it on Friday. So, um, huh? You know, maybe you can have Thanksgiving dinner. We, that's what we did. We had Thanksgiving dinner the weekend before uh, with our family, and just told them, "Hey, sorry, we won't see you on Thanksgiving, but you know." That's the way she goes. Of course, we sold them on the idea last year that it was the last ever WrestleCade and it would never happen again, and then they decided to keep <laughs> having them, so now we look like dicks. But, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. Damn. Yeah, so, uh, uh, so uh, yeah, go ahead. They're also doing that uh, that horror convention in Nashville in uh, October this year, too. You said something about wanting to go to, wanting to try to go to it. Yeah. we have to slip um, off up there. I, Maybe. Yeah, I'm hoping we can go to that. And I'm also looking at going to uh, the Fanboy Convention in Knoxville at the end of June because they're going to have Kurt Angle and Lita and uh, Karate Kid and Johnny and Gene Simmons from Kiss and uh, the whole cast of Chips is going to be there. And how the hell could you miss out on that? Eric Estrada, that's a picture you want to hang in your office for sure. Uh, and then Rosie's excited because the, the damn guy off the Highlander's there, which if the guy from the Highlander was sitting across from me in the living room right now, I wouldn't know or give a shit. But apparently that's the big deal if you're a fan of the Highlander. So she's pretty psyched about that. So I told her we got to start saving some money if we're going to go see all these places. Because as you well know, having gone to some of these comic cons and things of that nature, yeah. that shit is not cheap. God almighty. Cost yeah, really. to meet these old folks. So, uh, so, yeah, we're going to get that together. Like I said, I want us to make some road trips uh, this year. We're going to do some fun stuff, and then it'll give us something to podcast about. And who knows, maybe we can uh, record some of these things live 
from where we're at or on the road, and then that way, one Sunday night, we don't have to stay up till fucking 10 o'clock because we already got one in the can <laughs> to play. <laughs> and then we made yeah, a five. Really. We want to do that every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So before we guess, go, uh, speaking of that, I, next yeah. Sunday night, tell us what we got going on. Next Sunday night, um, I something tried to get together um, for the last few weeks. We uh, will have Jimmy Blaylock on live next week. Uh, we did a did a I did an interview with Jimmy uh, back in back in January, and of course we uh, we did it. It was a, uh, a taped interview, but he will actually be on live next week. So we're gonna talk about all kinds of crazy stuff, and I'm sure we'll probably get some call-ins and some death threats, and uh, I don't know. We'll see how many times that uh, we hear the the term first of all next week. So. Uh, should be. Yeah, I only know is, I mean, <laughs> was Jimmy here live? Bed, so if Curly Mo, Curly Mo calls in again, and if Jay Griffin finally shows up for something, and he decides to call in after he's been, you know, threatening to show up all these places, and he always no shows. So that's what he does. He's no show. He's Jay no show Griffin, and apparently he takes uh, yeah. exception to people saying that. So I'll say it one more time: Jay no show Griffin. Uh, he probably won't have the guts to call in, but I'm sure some people will. So we'll spend part of the show uh, just talking to Jimmy, um, you know, going through just whatever Jimmy wants to talk about. Because, uh, you know, I know you did an in-depth interview, and I love that interview, and it's one of the best ones I've heard anybody do with Jimmy. Uh, but, you know, Jimmy's done any and everything, and he's got opinions on any and everything. So I don't think we're going to have trouble filling time talking to, to Hollywood Jimmy uh, live on the show, and then God forbid if anybody calls in. Um, oh, you wow. heard what happened the, the last time somebody called in, so, <laughs> so oh, that'll be entertaining gosh. in and of itself. So, go check out localslegends.com. Uh, I did post up uh, some pictures uh, from Saturday night, or no, I'm sorry, Friday night uh, when we were all together at the Ron White show. Like I mentioned at the top of the program, there's a picture of me and Neil and Jax and Leslie together, and then our picture with uh, comedian Alex Raimundo. And uh, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> I really enjoyed uh, getting to do that. And uh, and then hopefully the, the you know, life brings the four of us together more often because uh, we always do have a lot of fun, whether it's here together on the podcast or wherever we may all end up together. So hopefully we'll get a chance to – because I kind of – I kind of and I put that on the post that I put, you know, I kind of consider – uh, Jax and Leslie, the extended family of the podcast, they're like the unofficial co-hosts of the show that we call upon uh, to speak about things. And of course, you know, Jax is on here every week, even though he's not live, he's always on here as our announcer. And uh, we have yeah. a lot of people that are big fans of when Leslie comes on and gives his crazy opinions about wrestling and life and cheese sticks and gambling and things of that nature. So. <laughs> So they're always subject to pop up at any time. So like I say, it was cool getting us all together the other night. And what was a really good show. I enjoyed it. I was miserable every minute that I crammed my fat ass into that seat uh, with my buddy Mike, <laughs> who's nearly as large as I am, crammed in on the left side of me. Uh, and I'm, you know, spilling over into poor Rosie's seat. So it was, whew, it was a long show as far as being crammed in that seat, but it was funny, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Maybe next time we may spring for the VIP and get to meet Ron White like you and Jimmy did last year because that seemed like a, a fun experience, I'm sure. It was. It was a lot of fun. 
Well, all right. Well, that's all we got, folks. Appreciate you staying up late till almost midnight listening to me and Neil talk with our good buddy uh, Tony Dabbs. And I know a lot of times we throw that we throw that around, you know, with people that we're not so greatly acquainted with. But um, you know, Tony Dabbs is almost directly responsible for the fact that Neil Taylor is is in the wrestling business and. I knew Absolutely. Tony from the very first day I ever set foot inside of a wrestling ring. Most all my training was done with poor Tony being the uh, the crash test dummy in the punching bag for that. So God bless him for that. <laughs> so it was cool to have him on here tonight. Hope to have him on again. Maybe sometime we can sit down and, and interview him live somewhere and uh, maybe have a few drinks in the process. And God knows what kind of stories. Tonight was pretty tame. Oh, uh, almost took us down a bad <laughs> road, and I, I hit reverse because I realized that I'd be coming down <laughs> that road with him. <laughs> but maybe sometimes if we've had a few, we sit down somewhere, it may be a whole different podcast, uh, probably one we won't want to post. But anyway, thanks for listening, Neil. Thank you, as always, brother, and uh, I'll get with you during the week, and next Sunday night, we're going to be here live with Hollywood Jimmy. Should be a hell of a good time. Spread the word, folks. Share it on Facebook. When you see us put the you know the posts up, please uh, share them and spread the word, and, and let's get some more listeners. Let's get some more sponsors. Let's get me and Neil some new mattresses from Casper Mattresses, because that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's all for now. We There's will so much- see you next Sunday night.